nuts trying to get by. Dear Black Body, I know it's not your intention to hurt nobody, but we hurt when they hurt your body. We hurt for the mothers wailing at the ripping apart of their children. We hurt for the invisibility of the humanity that comes so naturally to our people. We heard the thought that you can go to a theater and see a horror story, but the true horror is living black, young, and free in America. Dear Black Body, we know that you never intended to hurt nobody. The time when they called you king and queen is known to nobody. A fetish-based culture rooted in capitalism, greet and hate. People pay top dollar for your body. But can nobody see your body? When to everybody you're a nobody. Dear Black Body, how you've carried me around for the past 33 years, I will never understand. Every day, my body is wrapped up in a spiral of concern, of hope, of love, of triumph, bruised up, birthmarks deep wounds, ancestral trauma. But, you know, I still, as they say, get it from my mama. And in this here body, I owe it to everybody to be somebody. Dear Black Body, I see your royalty and your gold. I see your water. I see your cotton. I see your mycelium. I see your pathways. 
I see your hopes. I see your journeys, your dreams. I see you, black body. We see you, black body. Because you weren't put here to hurt nobody. And soon that will be recognized and felt by everybody. Because nobody will ever take the body of the body that birthed everybody. Dear black body, remember who you are. Remember from whence you came. And know that your spirit, your contribution, your hurt and your pain does not go in vain. We will continue to call your name. Dear Black Body, I love you. What would the world feel like if we remembered that it's human for us to feel? I was having a conversation all this week, a one long conversation about the slaying of more black bodies. And what's different about this time is people are recognizing on a global level that this sort of behavior has not only persisted and haunted black and brown bodies from the beginnings of the colonization of this land, but that we're stronger together, that the separation was always the goal, and that even now, as we're quote unquote socially distancing, we stand together we feel each other's pain. That thing you're calling white fragility, that's your running from your need to feel your pain, feel it. I was having a conversation with some friends. Uh, a good friend of mine actually um, reached out and messaged me about the rage and the despair, the disappointment around the slaying of more black bodies. And, you know, of course, my initial response to that is where, you know, it's, it's never necessarily the, the person of color's role or responsibility or job, right, to process with a white body person about their grief and their upset and what it is that they're experiencing. And, you know, that's, that's an option whenever you've been living with trauma and pain and, and hate in your body. 
simply for being exactly who you were designed to be. Because let's be real, if if we're talking about believing in a higher source and a higher power, creator, God, whatever you want to call, whatever you choose to call source, if we, we all recognize that we have a unique design and we all recognize that the ultimate aim is oneness, and we all recognize that the ultimate dream is for us to all feel a sense of love and community and belonging and care, deep care for ourselves and for each other. And so you really have to ask yourself, how is it that we can live in a society where people hold these things to be their truths, their ideas, to live a good life and to increase the quality of life of those around us, but you're numb When there's a black body laying in the street, you're numb when somebody leaves their house to go for a jog and doesn't return home. You're numb when at the hands of police, another black body was claimed to the invisibility and the colonization and the policing over hundreds of years of black bodies. So no, my my white folks out there let's be real about the fact that what's most needed for you from you is your willingness to feel to remember what it means to be human and to and to center your own humanity in seeing the culture that we've inherited and that we will continue to inherit and continue to perpetuate until we disrupt what we've been given. And so my ask to you is not for you to be a good ally. I don't need you to do this for me. This is for you. You want liberation and freedom for you. You want to get free for you. You want to connect to your humanity because without it, you're missing out. You're missing out. We're missing out. We're all in this soup, in this white supremacist culture that has stripped away our right and our human access to our identities, to our history, to our history, to overstand from where we came and to be in our fullest power and to appreciate the fact that we can exist in so much diversity similar to our forest beings our plant beings, our animal beings who all do it so effortlessly, but we can't seem to really fully get our shit together as humans. And we're still deciding who's worthy and who's not worthy just so that there can exist this sense of importance and power and status. And I say, for what? What does it mean that in order for you to feel important, that there has to be this sense of hierarchy and this division, this lack of appreciation for all of our authentic, unique attributes? Why do we have to fight to be seen if we're not like you? Why should we be just like you? And so the question really becomes, at what point do we remember that this is actually just about our humanity 
It's about our own capacities to do the inner work that's needed for us to truly heal and to bring together all of our pieces that have just been floating in the ethers, waiting on somebody else to claim them and tell us what we need to do with those other floating pieces. Guess what, my friends? Nobody is coming to save us. We have to save ourselves. We are the ones that we've been waiting for. And if coronavirus, if COVID-19, whatever you're calling it, if that didn't prove it to you, I don't know what other moment is going to prove to you, except for the slaying of more Black bodies, to which, by and large, more Black and brown bodies are the bodies that are standing up to protest. And so for my friends out there in the streets of Minneapolis, And from all over the U.S. to all over the globe, wherever you are, as you are making your rights and your humanity known, that we might all take a moment to remember that protesting is not violence. So the response to protesting should not be violence. In the legacy of all of those who came before any of us organizing and activating right now did the work to be able for us to have these rights, this moment where we can say how we feel and exercise our First Amendment rights to peaceably assemble and express ourselves. That's a constitutional right And so by the time it comes to a protest, we've gone through all the other things on the list, the things that we had to check off and the people that we had to write letters to and who we had to wait for and who we had to go um, make sure we built a relationship with and the application we needed to fill out. And people are tired of process. What does it look like for change to happen right now? What does it look like for us to really be in our humanity and feel how fucked up we feel sometimes when we learn of the of the inhumane treatment of others around us? And instead of dealing with those feelings, instead of leaning into those feelings and really letting those feelings drive action and drive change, we either run from those feelings or we have those feelings come out in more destructive ways. And so this time, it's different. We've been at home, y'all. We haven't had to deal with anybody else but ourselves. But this is a moment. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you don't know the names of the people that I'm speaking of that have recently lost their lives to brutality, to policing, to erasure to to inhumanity. I beckon you to educate yourself and also sit with the question of where are my blind spots? What are the things that I haven't been willing to see or pay attention to? 
we say their names. George Floyd. Tamir Rice. Brianna Taylor. We say their names. And there are many others. And so I invite all of us to take a pause and say their names. Say their names. Say their names. And we say this because these were human, human beings. These were sisters, daughters, brothers, maybe uncles, cousins, sons, grandsons, friends. These were potential contributors to the future of our communities whose lives were cut short without their consent and whose lives were cut short in many ways that we'll never even know because of what it means to be in America and be in a black body. And so enough with feeling too fragile to feel how you feel or to feel paralyzed at the thought that there's nothing that can be done and that there's nothing that can be changed. Because guess what? As long as you think that way, that's going to be the reality. You have the capacity to create, to reimagine, to re-engineer, to use your privilege, whatever it might be, you know, to really actualize your equity. That's the work that we talk about with our day project, actualizing equity. It means not just talking about it, but being about it. Standing with folks, asking how you can help. What can you do to support? How can I be a human being and see that my brother and sister is suffering? How can I really put, as Ms. Michelle Cassandra Johnson so lovely states, how can I put my skills into action? And in honor of her, I want to share her call to action that resonates in this moment as we mourn those that have been lost and we grieve the reality of the brutality in the world that we live in and understanding that we all have a part to play and in action and indecision both of those things are actions and decisions and so how can we really show up be human. And so this is Michelle Johnson's call to action. White supremacy and capitalism are coming for all of us. If we don't begin to consider how our thoughts, words, and actions impact the collective good, we will perish. If we don't begin to work collectively and in solidarity with one another, we will perish. The journey of discovering that our dharma is connected to the greater good is challenging and we must do it anyway. 
we must skillfully take collective and radical action to create a world that allows all of us to breathe, be, live, be seen, and validated. So that's the invitation. We're going through a deep cycle of grief as a collective in many ways. Be kind to yourselves, but feel the feelings. We got to feel how we, how we feel so that we can remember that we're human and that we're not so numb to suffering and pain and trauma that there's no response at all. We all want love, care, belonging, community. And who's to say who should have access to that or who should not? The quality of my life is not less because my skin is brown and because the ancestors that I come from came from a continent that was different than the Europeans. But here we are all together in this soup in this medley of the white supremacist culture that we are currently active, actively a part of and will continue to perpetuate until we decide to feel and to be human and then deciding from that place what we can do to exercise our humanity. So no more, I want to be a good ally. No more, I don't know how to act. I'm paralyzed. I think my whiteness is going to get in the way of me really being able to, to show up. So do that. Show up. Ask the question. Show up with your heart, your vulnerability. Don't show up with your with your white tears and say that you don't know what to do next or you don't know how to support or that this was even happening. Do your homework. Do your research. Take some equity classes, some equity trainings. Check out the, the, the characteristics of white supremacist culture by Tama Okun on Showing Up for Racial Justice's website. Check out trainings happening like the Racial Equity Institute, Undoing Racism, um, the work of, of folks like Training for Change and People's Hub, many others. Do your research. Peel back the layers to find out where your blind spots have been and then show up. We don't need more tears. Yes, we're going to grieve and yes, we're going to feel it. But don't let your tears keep you from showing up. Because at the end of the day, we will perish if we don't remember what it is to be human and to reclaim that capacity to think and move from our hearts. That's all that's being asked of us right now. So what privileges do you have? Not just my my white folks out there, but also those of us with melanated skin. We don't have, you know, in our proximity to power, we're further away from the scale, right? Because we know that in the white supremacist culture, the standard is white, heterosexual, uh, Anglo-Saxon male is the standard. And so I'm pretty far away from that, but I recognize that I have some privileges as a citizen of the United States, you know, 
having the education that I have, the fact that I don't have children and I'm just responsible for myself. There are some privileges that I have. So let's just keep checking ourselves first, checking in on ourselves and doing our personal inner work. I recommend some really powerful books to continue to do some more deep reading and some more unpacking of how you're feeling and what to do with those feelings and not just to run away from them. Because again, what's being asked of all of us right now is to show up and to contribute in our individual, authentic and divinely designed ways. And so your greatest job right now is figuring out what that is and coming and playing your part. Because in order to live in a more inclusive, equitable, just world, it's going to take all of us. One person cannot do it on their own, but we know that one person can sure make some waves. And so we continue to honor the Black bodies. I honor my ancestors, my indigenous Cherokee Salagi ancestors, whose names I still don't know. I honor my black ancestors. I honor the the justice warriors and this and the racial equity ambassadors before that was even coined as a term, but people just fighting for the rights of humans. Black Panther Party, Harriet Tubman, Toni Morrison, Dr. Maya Angelou, Sojourner Truth. Madam C.J. Walker. James Baldwin. Audre Lorde. Octavia Butler. Lorraine Hansley. Patty Murray. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Malcolm X. Say their names. Say their names. So I'm closing out, family. I know that there's a lot going on in the world right now. This is our opportunity to... to feel called and to feel and then from our feelings to act and show up in the ways that we can that is the ancient tradition that's also the radical imagination and so I honor the resilience that has been built upon inside of me and that I hope to share with others in holding this online gathering space So if you haven't already, please follow, like, share this space as conversations continue to unvelop, I guess that's the word. (laughs) Y'all know I'm authentic and raw, so I'm just, you know, maybe somebody will send me a message and tell me what the word is. But I really appreciate you spending time with me. I really appreciate you holding space for this 
conversation. Um, this episode is brought to you by Beautiful Chorus. The song that's been playing in the background is Faith's Hymn. And any proceeds received through donations, um, through any support that any listener or any um, sponsor provides um, goes to really lifting up the work of Beautiful Chorus. Um, And so any donations or any things that you want to send, we will pass those along. Um, And so each month or each quarter, um, I'll be playing and profiling the work of a specific um, artist of color or group um, that, you know, are really representing the culture um, in some really powerful ways because we got to keep our minds and, and hearts elevated. So beautiful chorus, check them out. And then two books to make sure you grab off the shelves um, to support your further reading and work through all the things. Skill in Action by Michelle Cassandra Johnson. My Grandmother's Hands by Risma Minikim. I always uh, want to make sure that I'm trying to pronounce that correctly. And uh, yeah, I'll be sharing more books as we go along, but those are two great ones to start out with. Thank y'all for listening. It's really dope building this community with you. And I hope that you will take some time to really build authentic relationships um, from the internal to external. That way we can really disrupt things in a beautiful way. And we're not just focusing on the destruction, but we're focusing on what we want to build. Because as we know, we all have the capacity to create and to imagine for ourselves. So let's go. I'll see you there. Until next time. Peace.